we're fragile, Brother Dale. But you pack us together, buddy, we can stop the traffic. Somebody say amen. Woo, amen, amen, amen. Let's pray. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read the text. In chapter number 19, I'll be looking through verses 1 through 8. But let's pray. Father, we want to pray tonight. I want to thank you, dear Lord, for the privilege to be here tonight in the house of God in this setting, this atmosphere, at this time, Lord, with this message. Lord, I know I stand not here because I deserve anything of myself. But, Lord, you've called me with a calling, not according to my works, but according to grace, which was given us before the foundation of the world. You saw us, Lord, while we were yet in our mother's womb. As you told Jeremiah that you called him while he was yet in his mother's womb. Lord, you saw things, knew things was going to happen before we ever got here. And Lord, you knew we was going to be in just this setting right here tonight. And Lord, so I just pray the message will fall on the ears that are in the sanctuary, that are in the parking lot, that are listening by way of streaming on the internet uh, in just a little while when it's uploaded. Uh, we pray for Brother Orlando who's driving long distance trucks up and down one side of the uh, coast from north to south and east to west in America. We pray God for others who are not able to come or sick and not able to be here. Lord, we just pray God that you get glory and Lord that you'll be lifted up in everything that said. Empty us out of flesh and fill us with the power of God. Let it not be done with excellency of speech and Tyson words but in power and in demonstration may the will of God and the word of God take place tonight thank you for the good singing and everything that's went on we love you in Jesus name amen I'll read the text and you can be seated and 1 Kings 19 in verse number 1 the Bible said in Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done I'd, lo- I'd like to stop there a minute, but you know a man is whooped when he has to run tell his wife. I say amen. But anyway, look in chapter 19. All you men should have said amen. Amen. Y'all don't crow on the bedpost, do you? Somebody say amen. All right, look what the Bible said in 1 Kings 19 verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how she had how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, being the kind of woman that she was, sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods, notice they little g, do to me and more also if I make not thy life as one of them, as one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, I'm going to kill you just like you killed them. Verse 3. And when he saw that, it, it, it don't say when he, when he heard that, but when he saw it. I'm going to get there in just a minute, but just think for a minute. Here's a man that has been on the mountaintop, fire falling. I mean, prophets dead, them false prophets killed. God is being worshipped. And one thing triggered his mind. See, discouragement is not just what you hear. It's what you see in your mind. You can see the scenario playing out. Does anybody identify that how the devil plays tricks on your mind? 
how your discouragement will make you see stuff that ain't even real. And, and, And here we are in verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. And look at this. And left his servant there. And he went. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, this mighty man of God. And he requested for himself that he may die. Asking the Lord just to kill him. And said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. I'm not, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay and slept because discouragement and depression will wear you out physically. And he slept under a juniper tree. Behold, then an angel touched him. (laughs) Woo! Somebody might need a touch tonight. And said unto him, Arise, eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals. Boy, ain't you glad when you don't deserve it, God will make you a birthday cake and deliver it. Amen. And a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat. Look at there. Then he made a nut. Look at that. Because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights on the Horeb, the Mount of God. Father, we love you today and pray God you'd help us to preach and the power of the Holy Ghost for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say If the Lord would help me just for a little while tonight, I pray God will help me to set up a clinic for the God's people and preach to a while just to help everybody here. I want to preach on the thought of how we can deal with discouragement. We're going to have to look at Elijah because he's one of the mightiest men of God. In fact, James is going to use him, this hero of the faith. James is going to use him in the book of, in the book of James. That I'm the half-brother of Christ wrote that book of James. He is going to use him as an example of a prayer warrior. I mean, he is a man of faith. But even as a man of faith or a woman of faith, somebody who has served God faithfully, has stood for God when nobody else would stand, has watched God do mighty miracles, who's been taken care of down at the brook, down by the barrel. It didn't matter where he was. He's watched God take care of him. And and in the midst of everything that's going on, he got discouraged. He got depressed. He, he felt he even got to the place he was ready to die and fell asleep in that state of discouragement, dealing with discouragement. First of all, I want to say tonight, discouragement is real, by the way of introduction. It is real. It will deflate it will deflate your passion for Christ. I'm talking about God will uh, use services to blow. I, I've, I've watched people, Brother Dale. I mean, I'm just like one, any minute that person's going to bust. I mean, God's filling them up. God's filling them up. God's filling them up. And then it's like when, when something happens in their life, some tragedy, some trial, uh, it's like the Lord just, uh, the Lord allows that thing to take place in their life. But the Lord has allowed events to take place and the devil is going to 
use those events to hit, get a pinhole in their, and their, and their swelling for the glory of God. And the devil is going to use a, just a pinhole to deflate their passion. Discouragement will deflate our passion. It will derail our purpose. You'll, you, you'll get to the place. You'll say, I'm not even going to sing no more. I'm not going to preach no more. I, I tell you what, there ain't even no sense for me even to come into church. I'm not going to get anything when I get there anyway. I don't, y'all might as well say amen because y'all in the same flesh I am and I know you've been where I'm talking about tonight. It will deflate our passion. It will derail our, our, our purpose. It will defeat and, and, and destroy our progress. See, I, I'm convinced when we stand before the Lord, sin's been dealt with on Christ at Calvary. And so when the Christian believer who's trusted Christ as their Savior stands at the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ to give account of things we've done in the body, whether good or bad, in other words, we're going to give account of how we've progressed since we got saved. Our potential that we could have reached if we'd have just had faith to walk with God. Y'all, y'all know I'm right. God help us. I, listen, I, a lot of what I've done, I'm scared to death is going to get burned up in ashes. I'm just looking for something, some little bit of gold twinkling in the dust pile that I can say, Woo! I did a little something for you, Lord. Here you go. Everybody in this place has been uh, had, had your passion, had your purpose, had your prog- progress derailed. Discouragement, it will creep up on a believer. A, a discouraged believer, I'm talking about born again, is not going to be a growing believer. They're not going to be a going believer. And they're not going to be a glowing believer. You, you, you know, we are the light of the world. I, I don't know if y'all ever had these when you were little uh, but I remember my little brother, Nikki can remember this, Terry used to have one of them glow worms. And that man, that thing's head, it lit up the room. And, and Christians ought to be like the glow worm. Amen. When every light's all off, we should light up the room. Amen. I, 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 got, I was telling my boys, I don't remember what happened or, or what took place, but I remember several years ago, I couldn't find no lightning bugs around here. Now, the last few years, we've seen them come back. But, man, I said, man, I wish y'all could see them lightning bugs. They would, they would be so much, we could gather them up in a mason jar, put a lid on them. Yes, I poked holes in them. Help us, Jesus. And put them in my room, and they would light up, Brother Scott. I mean, they would light up the room. And as Christians... We ought to do everything we can to light up. And I preached on that lightning bug and how there's a special chemical reaction and it don't even make sense. And sometimes that a bug that can't light up can hang around one that does light up and their chemical process will break out on them and they'll light up. Boy, I want to be that kind of Christian. I want to be that kind of person, but I'm going to be truthful with you. I've been discouraged. There's times in my life I have been discouraged. And, and, and I'm, we don't want nobody to know we're discouraged. So we'll put on the same smile. We'll, we'll act the same way. But the truth is we're not glowing, growing, and going like we need to be. Y'all know I'm right. Discouragement is a truth. But discouragement's a tool. There's an old fable. I don't even remember why I read it. I got a bunch of kids' books. Kids' books from like early 1900s. Man, they were great. 
used, had a lot of parabolic truths in them. And, and uh, so I liked them old kids' books. Calvin Reed, he wrote a bunch of them. And, and in one of them books I was reading, and, and it was telling the story, a parable of the devil had all of his tools laid out. Had all kind of tools. And the one tool that was valued the most, that cost more than any, was discouragement. And somebody walked up to the devil and said, why is there so much value on this tool that you use called discouragement? And here is what the book says. Because it is my most useful tool. It is called discouragement. And with discouragement, I can do anything with anybody that I ever want to do. And friend, that is the truth. You and I both know when a person gets discouraged, I mean, we ain't, we ain't much shape for anything mentally we're not in good shape spiritually we're not even and it can affect you physically it can ruin you it can wreck your organs it can ruin your sleep it'll drive you crazy I'm telling you it'll create anxiety you'll have anxiety attacks you'll think you have an is anybody identifying with what Elijah is underneath a juniper tree the fire caller is under a juniper tree saying Lord kill me I don't want to live. I'm no better than that crowd that bowed to idols. Take me off a scene. Anybody ever felt like that? Discouragement is a truth. It's a tool. James said this about him. Just what James said. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it did not. And it rained not on the earth for the space of, of three years and six months. And then he prayed again and it rained. So uh, sometimes we think Elijah's up here and we're down here. But, but the truth is... Anybody in this room have the same power, the same privileges, and the same promise. And before I forget it, we live in the right position of Calvary. It's already taking place. He was looking for it to take place. It's already happened. We can look back and shout that he busted a hole in the bottom of the grave and come out victorious. Amen. Oh, listen, he said he prayed that it might not rain. You can pray just like Elijah prayed. Boy, that's a blessing to my soul. Amen. The example in chapter 17 and verse number 18, we see Elijah, this great example, that fire that burned in him. Elijah knew the presence of God. If you look in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, you look in chapter 17, verse number 1, here come Elijah. He didn't need no introduction. I feel like it. You say, I don't believe it. Well, that's okay. You ain't going to change my mind. This is the way I feel. I feel like he kicked the door in and said, Woo! Hey, man, I've been with God, and it ain't going to rain. That's basically what he said. Chapter 17, verse number 1. Bible said Elijah the Tishbite. He breaks out on the scene. We ain't heard from Elijah. We don't know his daddy. We don't know where he came from. He don't have no godly heritage. He not come from a long line. He's just known as Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said in Ahad as a Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. I want you to know I represent God. I say hallelujah. I mean, he knew the presence of God. He said before whom I stand. He As if he was saying, 
Amen. Hey, wherever I go, he goes. And where he's at, I'm at. Amen. I'm, I'm talking about God who I stand with. Amen. He knew the presence of God. He knew the provision of God. Before we get to chapter 19, if you look in chapter 17, verse number 2 through verse number 7, God said, get down there by the brook. He said, I'm going to have the birds take care of you. And I preached that message one time. I don't know if y'all remember. I preached on them ravens. They were an unclean bird. You weren't supposed to eat them. You weren't supposed to touch them. And God changed the nature of an unclean bird and let them go over it. They not, they most time birds like that only eat dead things or corruptible things. But God changed the nature of that bird. Amen. Just like he changed ours. Amen. And he went over and got good meat. I believe off the king's table they got a big T-bone steak fixing to put it in front of Ahab. Woo! Here come a raven. Swooped in there. Got it. Dropped it off. Amen. I'm talking about better than DoorDash. Amen. Dropped it off at Elijah's house. There come my T-bone. Thank you, Lord. Probably said... Thank you for the food I'm about to get. Amen. Boom. Thank you, Lord. I mean, cooked right. I mean, amen. Took care of him. When the world was on famine and they're trying to find water, he's got a little brook down there taking care. He knew what it was like. God said, I'm going to dry the brook up. I want you to go to a Gentile widow. I'm not going to use Israel. They ain't got no faith yet. I'm going to send you to a Gentile widow. She's going to be down yonder. You're going to find her. And she already knows about you coming. I've already spoke a little word to her and she was out there gathering brother Scott and she got two sticks man I want to preach that two stick message about that's one of the first times you see two sticks and John 19 is the last time you see two sticks hey, amen woo and always he takes care of his people with them two sticks amen and said you'll get down there and you'll find her and she's going to say don't I can't make you nothing I mean, I'm gathering two sticks going to make the last bit of meal and we and my boys going to eat and we're going to die Amen. He said, I tell you what, do put God first, make mine first. And she went in that barrel, made his, went back to the barrel, had a shouting spell, and said, Glory to God, made herself one. Went back the next day and had a shouting spell. And the soldiers walked by her house, and everybody that was at her house, the man of God, her, and the boy, instead of being skin and bones, amen, they probably holding their belly. Amen. They done eat so much during the famine. God is taking care of them. He knew what it was to know the provision of God. This is not just any flunky. This is a man of God who knew the presence of God, who knew the provision of God. He knew the power of God. He knew how to prevail with God. And when he got up on the mountain, he prayed. And God, thank God, sent a fire that licked up the sacrifice, licked up the water, licked up the rock. I say glory to God. He knew what it was to know the power and prevail with God. And yet, we find him in chapter number 19. He's no stranger to victory, but now he's in a valley. And you can go from victory to valley on the ride home if you don't trust God tonight. You can, you can be in a service that's out of this world. I told Brother Nathan, told Cody, Fixing and baptized. I told you this, didn't I? As soon as Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke from heaven. The dove descended. I mean, service broke out. The Trinity showed up. I mean, they had a meeting. 
the next verse, next chapter, the Spirit led him to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The devil will always show up when you're on the mountaintop of victory. He don't want you to have a joy. He don't want you to have victory. He, but, but, but just, but just good news. Hey, man, there's wells in the valley. That's where you gather your sticks out in the valley. His presence is real in the valley. Amen. And I thought about. Elijah here is no stranger to victory. But now this great man of God in chapter 19 is in the valley. Here's this man who's the example of a fire that burned inside of a believer. But now it looks like his fire's been extinguished. Look in verse number 1, chapter 19 in our text verse. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah done. And by the time he gets to verse number 2, and Jezebel sends word... Verse number three, he saw it. As he sits down up under the juniper tree, it looks like this fire is extinguished. I, I, I've not got the message together, but I don't, boy, I'm working on it. I, I, I've got a message the Lord's put on my heart on the devil's fire department. He wants to put the fire out the first chance he gets. I mean, you, I'm telling you, that devil don't like fire down at the house of God. It takes a fire to melt a cold, ice-cold sinner's heart. Amen. And everybody in this church should stoke the fire. Rich Pine, stoke the fire. Somebody help me up in here. We need some fire. I don't. I can't stand the smoke. Thank God I've been around the fire too much. Amen. I mean, we need the fire. Amen. The kind of fire that burns from the inside out. That you don't have to just warm one side at a time. Amen. I'm talking about a fire. That needs to burn down at the house of God. You let I tell you what, if we could, I don't want nobody to do this, but if somebody, amen, was to notice that the fellowship hall was burning, my wife's praying that God would burn it so she can build her new one. But if it was to burn, Everybody on 26 would see the fire burning. They'd start piling over here. They'd have to direct traffic. You don't have to announce it. Friend, what I'm saying is, y'all know what I, we need to have a fire burning down here. But the devil wants to extinguish your fire. And it looks like it's, it's extinguished. But there's an existence of coals always among the ashes. Elijah sits down under the juniper tree in the wilderness in despair and defeat and discouragement. But God can refuel our passion. He can restore our purpose. He can revive our progression. Say, so, preacher, how do you do it? Let's walk through the text. Look what the Bible said. The prophet is discouraged. Look at the, the message that he minded. In verse 1 through 3, the Bible says, it says this has to do, verse 3 says, has to do with seeing it. I mentioned it a while ago. The scripture did not say he heard it. The scripture said he saw it. You, what, what are you saying? I'm saying discouragement messes with your mind. You'll begin to see scenarios played out. The devil longs to attack your mind. I, I believe that Elijah was in his mind remembering Mount Carmel. I believe he's down there remembering down there by the brook when the bird, he's remembering down there 
by the first brook when he slew them prophets. Then he's remembering by the next brook, amen, when he got fed by the birds. And then he's going to remember rehearsing what what Jezebel said, how she's going to kill him. And he got to thinking about that scenario and he got to thinking how it was going to happen. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to think of how you're going to be destroyed and how it's going to play out. And all it takes is the devil to whisper, whisper just one thing or some unbeliever just whisper one thing and we take it and run with it and we paint this picture because our mind is so warped with the flesh but I got good news for you hey man the devil don't run nothing hey man unless God allows him he's a bulldog on a chain and God's got a choker on him and can jerk him down in submission anytime he wants to here's what I think when we get discouraged, the devil plays with our mind. He, he runs scenarios in our mind. It puts everything on the screen of our heart. And we wonder if this will happen. He bombards us with possibilities. And we go to playing that, well, well what if? And, and, and man, I don't know. I, I don't, but you can't do that. The message that he minded was not the one he should have minded. He ran because of what Je- Jezebel said when he should have stood because of what Jehovah said. Jehovah said he was never going to leave him. Jehovah done proved himself multitude of times and he done told that whole crowd when the one that answers by fire let him be God and Elijah let her Put God lower than this woman. Don't think for one second even. My Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It got brought to my mind. Hey, cancer has to bow to God. COVID has to bow. Somebody help me. Amen to God. You want to talk about essential. The church is essential. Say amen right there. Hey man, the Bible's essential. Holy Ghost worship's essential. Hey man, this message messed with his mind. Verse 3 says, when he saw that, he could literally see. Brother Childs, I'm thinking. Because remember, remember she said in verse 2, so let the gods do to me more so if I, not, if I make not thy life as one of them by tomorrow about this. You know, he was seeing what he did to them prophets happened to him. It wasn't just a night terror. It wasn't daydreaming. This had gotten his mind. He thought everybody's out to get him. Are, y- are y'all with me? You can discourage them to do that. They make you paranoid. Notice this paranoia put him somewhere, put him away from God. Notice the miles, not just the message he minded, but the miles he managed. According to verse number three, look what the Bible says. He went for his life and came to Beersheba. Do you know where he was? He was at Mount Carmel. He went from Mount Carmel to Beersheba. Brother Jerry, and I know, I know, I know if, if we were to go back in chapter 18, we'd see God get on him. And thank God when God gets on you, <laughs> I'm just going to take a lap. <laughs> when God gets on you, you might run a little bit. Say, amen. Amen. Old Testament, Elijah is a running prophet. New Testament, Philip is a running evangelist. So ain't nothing wrong with me running either. Say amen. You might not do it, but you'll egg me on when I do it. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Hallelujah. I, I'm like a greyhound. Your greyhound can't smell nothing. But they get on that racetrack and they see that little rabbit. They, they run after what they see. After all God's done for me, I can't help but run. Amen. Amen. Are y'all with me? Here this man of God's ran. Past the chariot when God's hand's on him. I don't know if the hand of God you can say is on him when he's discouraged. But notice what the Bible says. He went to Beersheba. That means he was at least, some say, 90 to 100 miles. So this man, according to the Bible, I'm not, I'm not, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Preacher, that's on a day's journey. No, no. That's verse 4. Verse 3 said, when he saw it in his mind, he rose and went to Beersheba. The first trip was from Carmel to Beersheba. If you look at the map, most commentators say 90 to 100 miles. But if you look at the map, some of them agree with what the map show, and that's 200 miles. Friend, I don't know how. I just know this. He didn't stop till he got 200 miles away. That's a man that's willing to put some miles between where God showed up, amen, and where Jezebel spoke up. God help us not to mind the wrong message. It will put miles between us and the fire of God. Somebody help me. Amen. Look at verse number, verse number three in the latter part. Not only did he say he went to Beersheba, but said when he got there, he left his servant there. The message he minded, the miles that he's managed to go, but now the mistake that he made. This is the same mistake most people make when they get discouraged. Brother, he's got a believer with him. He's got fellowship. But, but according to verse number three, and left his servant there. Why is it that people abandon church when hard times come? If you in the wrong kind of church, jump ship, get out from that mess. But if you in a place where God's people love each other and where the Spirit of God's there and where the truth is preached, that's a place you're to run to. Don't jump ship, dive in, amen. Stay with the ship. You'll make it to shore if you got a paddle on the board. Amen. Woo! I love church. Sink or swim, buddy. I'm staying with it. Amen. Amen. Somebody asked me the other day, how long have you been to church? I said, April will be 24 years. They said, my Lord, you hung with it. I said, that or they put up with me. I'm just glad I'm still there. Amen. Amen. Oftentimes we get discouraged. And you know the first thing the devil wants to do? He wants to isolate you. Anybody in here, when you as little ever watch uh, Mutual of Omaha, you ever watch that? Do them animal things. Y'all young people don't know what you're missing. That was television, buddy, on Sunday. And man, we used to watch that. And, and I remember, you remember that? And, and daddy turned that thing on. And, and y'all probably don't, y'all don't know what this means. Uh, but I was the remote control. Amen. And I, when the TV messed up, I'd slap it on the side. That screen was straightened out. Amen. And we, I'd watch that right, right when that line was trying to separate a weak one. Somebody help me. Or a wandering. Somebody help me. Or a wounded one. Somebody help me. Amen. And, and, and separate it from the pack. And, and it would almost show them sometimes touching noses 
to the, the line with the antelope. He separated them, separated them, separated them. And now there's distance. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to isolate you. He wants you to make you, oh man, I feel like preaching right there. Y'all know I'm right, amen. And he'll try to get you on an island or a peninsula, make you feel like nobody wants you. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil. Everybody here loves everybody. Here's the click to the church. That's the click. The whole church is in one click. Amen. Amen. Here he is. And he's got his mind made up. And he leaves his fellowship. Leaves him in Beersheba. There in Judah, the land of praise. Leaves him over there. Man, we, Lord help us. We need Christian fellowship more than we need breath sometimes. We, you know what Bible college on Monday night sometimes is? And Jerry can testify. You're struggling to, to stay awake. You're struggling to stay alert. But boy, when you get over there and one man shares his burden and another man encourages, just the fellowship of preachers is like iron sharpening iron. And boy, it helps you to keep on going. And that's what church is. We need we need the church. I used to raise sheep. We used to have a bunch of sheep. And I never forget one time we separated them, separated them from each other. Had the mama in one pen. She's about to die. She's discouraged. Her baby was in there with the other ones. And I'm telling you, man, I didn't think. She was going to make it. I, and she would never come. I opened the door. I showed her the pasture. I had fresh buckets of water. I had grass for her to eat. And uh, she's sitting over there about to die herself. I had to wrap a rope around her and drag her hide till she could see that other flock of sheep. Then she jumped up, walked over there like she is a spry little chicken again. Church, we got to have each other. We need each other. You can't make it on your own. I know you're tough. I know you're strong women, but we got to have each other. That's just the reality. We are sheep of his pasture. We are a herding group of people. Amen. Amen. I know that's right. We need to hear a song sometimes that encourages. Amen. Amen. Him and his Mary, let them sing a song. Amen. Sometimes God will just give you a song. Sometimes it's a scripture. Sometimes it's a, some sermon, some message. But whatever it is, we need our spirits lifted. Uh, Brother Tony mentioned this morning, forsake not this summing of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much, but exhort one another. How? By coming to church. The, uh, you don't get encouraged when you don't come. Forsaking not the assembling of us, uh, ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. And how much, and so much the more as you see the day. Come together more. Encourage each other more. Just show up to church. You may not have a message. You may not have a song. You may think, well, all I do is hold up 18 to 20 inches on the pew. Praise God, that's what your job is. Just showing up charges our battery. It helps our soul. It keeps us in the fight. Amen. So I believe this. You think you ain't important. You are. Just being here. Amen. It's kind of like a nine volt battery. All you young boys in here. Jay Bentley. Where's David? He's asleep. Look, Y'all look up here at me. Y'all ever stuck you? Don't lie. You ever stuck it? You ever stuck a nine volt battery to your tongue before? That's crazy, ain't it? 
You can stick it to one side, don't bother you a bit. You stick it to that other side, buddy, and I'm telling you, you got the juice, don't you? I don't know why we do it, but we do it. All boys do it. I don't know why. It's like, it's like sticking your tongue on, on a cold, on a cold uh, flagpole. I don't know why we do it. We just going to do it. Don't tell us not to do it. We're going to do it anyway. That's just how we are. And, and you do that, brother, it'll light you up. Well, you say, preacher, I'm just negative. That's all right. Stand beside a positive and bring a little voltage to somebody. Let it arc off of one another and get a bunch of batters together and it'll multiply. Amen. Mistake he made, he broke fellowship. He, he got away from that charge he needed in his life. Now he's sure enough alone. He's left where Jehovah showed the fire. He's left where, where folks worshipped. He's left that congregation at Carmel. Now he's even left the fellowship of a Christian. The message he minded, the miles he managed, the mistake he made. But then look at this. Not only the prophet that's discouraged, look at the, the place that is described. Look at verse number four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down. Why do you go to the wilderness when you're discouraged? Hey, Joe's pool hall ain't what you need. Is everybody with me? That restaurant slash whatever else it was I mentioned earlier today, that ain't what you need. Going down there to the shindig, down there to Moonshiners Reconvention, somebody help me. That ain't what you need. Hey, man, hey, man, dark corners got a whole lot more than that to celebrate. Say, hey, man. Hey man, hey man, preacher, what are you celebrating? Some of that moonshine crowd got saved and became preachers. That's something to celebrate. You don't need that crowd. Is everybody with me? Verse number four said he goes another day's journey. He's in the wilderness, sets down under a juniper tree, desperate, discouraged. All this. Because he left the place, listened to the wrong message. Let things play out in his mind. Made a mistake, discouraged. This brought disunion between him and the fellow Christian. And now he gets over here in his place described. It's, it's a root, this root of discouragement. His fear overcame his faith. His frustration overcome his faithfulness. He's frustrated. He don't understand why he's at. Have you ever been to that place? You don't even know why you're at the low place you are. You can't put your finger on it. But the truthfulness of it, the frustration will hinder and overcome your faithfulness. His feelings overcame his focus. His focus was no longer on what God could do and how God could show up. But all of a sudden it was on his own skills. I'll just run. I can get away from this. I can fix my own mess. And that's what will happen when you get discouraged. You'll Try to go in your own little place, get in your own little corner, curl up in the fetal position with a thumb in your mouth, wondering why don't God love you? It ain't God that withdrew himself. You withdrew yourself. Amen. And quit let quit struggling and let go. Y'all heard me say this before. I remember being a lifeguard one time. At, I know ain't that crazy. They let me be the lifeguard. I was I throwed them in a bunch of times. I was in Columbus. Over there helping them do lifeguarding. And over there in Columbus, that public pool, I would not recommend, by the way, at the public pool, 
Amen. Hey, man, you, man, you can get close to a public pool and there's something get on you. Ajax can't get off. Somebody say amen. I wouldn't recommend it in this day, but over, back in that day, lost, living over there beside Jackson's garage with Mama. I'd walk right down there. I can't remember the street now. It starts with a G. Went right down there at that pool. And it was brand hammer new then. I got to be there and I was, I was there during the summer. And they trained us. Here's what they said. As long as the drowning victim is struggling, don't jump in. That don't make sense. Wait till they quit struggling. Let them die and then help them. Is that what you're saying? Because if you try to get in there while they're still fighting, they'll drown you. And what a lot of the times, a lot of the time, I mean, look, look at look at Peter. God, he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come out of the, bid me to come to you. And, and this is a miracle in itself. He said, he began to sink. How do you begin to sink? You either sunk or unsunk. Say amen. It's like God slow motioned him down. I don't know. I, but he, slow, he began to sink. And it was when he called out. God didn't try to save him until he asked to be saved. Oh, God, help us today. Here's the problem. As long as you think you can handle it yourself, as long as you think you can fix it yourself, he'll let you struggle on until you let go. Turn to God and say, I can't do it no more. Here's what, a lot, here's what one man of God said about about Elijah, he maximized his foe and minimized his faith. I say amen. He said, I can fix it. I can do it. One man of God said this, old Philip Keller, he was a great, he's a great book writer. He wrote a lot of books on shepherds and about being sheep. Here's what he said. Elijah's faith in God was silence. Elijah's confidence in what was right was shattered. And Elijah's assurance that God was, God was shaken. The very things that he used to prove to that unbelieving crowd that God was God he now doubted because of discouragement. Listen friend, it can happen to either one of us. The root of discouragement, here's the fruit. Notice what he said. He said, let me die. It's enough. I'm not better than my fathers in time of discouragement. Here's the fruit. He said, Lord, I, I, I need you to just let me die. I'm not, don't even let me live. Forget something's wrong with me. You'd be right to kill me. So, uh, Lord, I, I don't, I'm not doing like I should normally do. And, and here's the problem. Here's the problem. We'll get to such a place, we'll think we don't even deserve the love of God. And, and we've let God down so much that God wouldn't even want us no more. That's a lie of the flesh. That's a lie of the devil. He died for you, friend. He was buried for you. He got up the third day. He's coming back after you. I promise you this. He knew what you was going to do before he saved you. He knew what you was going to do after he saved you. And he still saved you. He's coming back for you. I say amen. You can't take God by surprise. Amen. Amen. Notice this. Not just the place described the provision. Look at verse 5. Elijah's in a state of despair. He's exhausted. According to verse number 5, he fell asleep. He went to sleep. And so he's asleep. He's still, he's not going after God. He's just sitting down. It kind of reminds me of Jonah. When God called Jonah, when God wanted something for Jonah to do, he went down. Then he lay down. 
And then in the end, he sat down. God don't like lazy. Somebody say amen. Girls, don't dare date a lazy man. I feel like preaching there a while. Hey, man. Can't stand a bunch of lazy men. Preach, preacher, preach. Hey, man. Preacher, preach. I tell you what the Bible says. Man won't take care of his own. He won't provide for his own. It's worse than an infidel. Worse than an unbeliever. So make sure they're a worker, number one. A believer, number two. That's Bible preaching right there. Amen. Amen. Make sure they work her. <laughs> Woo! I feel like preaching Curtis Lauder's weed eater message right there. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Amen. All right. He needed a fresh touch. Oh, man. Here's what he said in a nutshell. Curtis Lauder said, if you got a man that ain't touched a weed eater, run from him. Amen. Amen. He needed to be touched again. Here's what I think, Brother Tony. The only thing that's going to help us in discouraging times is for God to touch us. It's the only thing that helped Elijah. I mean, he's tore up. He's in bad shape. He's broke fellowship with the Mount Carmel congregation. He, he broke fellowship with his fellow Christian, that, that servant that's traveled with him. I mean, somebody he could count on, his comrade, his confidant. He has isolated himself. He thinks he can handle himself. His faith is destroyed. Amen. His faithfulness is gone. He's out in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness and a place he shut, he's wore out. Done went 90 to 200 miles. I don't care if it's just 90 miles. You wouldn't like to go that far on foot neither. Say amen. I mean, he has wore out. His mind, he's played scenarios and saw his own death flash before his eyes. I remember one time I, I lay off my road. My wife can tell you. But the church, y'all was there. I was hit on my road coming back from Bible college. And, and y'all was still at home church then. And that woman hit me was on dope. I'm just trying to get home to see my kids. I was working two jobs, going to school full time and pastoring. That's why I can't stand a bunch of lazy preachers. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Preach on, preacher. Amen. Amen. Woo, I don't like lazy. God don't either. Amen. I remember coming home. All I just want to do is get home and see my family. It's 10, 15, 10, 20. Keisha and Dwayne joined the church Wednesday after this Monday. I got hit head on. Totaled my car. They said my spleen was ruptured. My aorta valve was all shot. Had pain down here they couldn't scribe. I was screaming, hollering. And by the grace of God, I was in that old coat. You know, had that one little seat belt that went right here and then that other seat belt that went right here. Thank God I didn't have that other seatbelt that went right here. I just had this one on, and that car hit me, and it knocked me out the side door, and I lay there on my side. And I mean, in a mess, I didn't know if I was going to live or die. I was in so much pain, I was going to have to do multiple surgeries. All the church crowd went to praying, and I walked out of there 6.30 the next morning, no surgery. Amen. Unexplained healing, I say hallelujah. Man, I thought, whoa, God showed up. 
Wednesday, came to church, preached. Brother, Keith, Brother Dwayne, Miss Keisha joined the church. The next Monday, I got hit again. Ashley was driving me home. I took my church, the, uh, the van, church folks. Hey, man, it had been a blessing to me. They brought food over. I, I, I remember coming back from the chiropractor trying to get back straightened out. And, and we was going about 25 miles an hour listening to Rochester's Whoa, hallelujah. Saying what a beautiful place heaven's going to be. Hey, my, and, and then around this curve come a car sideways. They were drifting. And they were going by, I don't know how far, fast they was going, and hit us sideways. The car split, their car split in half. One man, two men died on the scene. One got took away in the helicopter. Or one died on the scene. One got took away in the helicopter. And, and then the lady in the passenger seat lived. And me and Ashley got out with a few cuts. And I remember thinking to myself, I got so discouraged, Brother Tony. I didn't have no car, but I lost both cars. Papa said, the next Monday, you're going in a Humvee or you ain't going nowhere. The devil's trying to kill you. And I felt that way. I literally felt that way. Old Dwayne, they just joined. They come over and try, they just encouraged me. And, and they didn't have no babies in. Yeah, they didn't have no babies in. And, and they come over there just trying to encourage me. All the folks, that was the newest member. And everybody else, man, they were blessings to me. Old Keith Russell and them brought me a cooler. Amen, a steak. I don't want to go through another wreck, but I'm going to tell you, black Angus T-bones and ribeyes is a blessing when you hurt. Hey, hey. Somebody, I feel the Holy Ghost on that. Hey, man. Hey, man, I'm talking about blessed. I mean, I was taking care UPS was good to me. Everybody was taking care of me. But Brother Tony, I got to, old Jacob and all of them, they come take care of me. I was a little sore and beat up from the second one. And man, I got so discouraged. I said, Lord, all I'm doing is trying to serve you. Why is this happening to me? And I'm going to tell you what God put in my heart. What's going on in your life ain't about you, son. It's about your kids. It's about people that's around you. I want to show them I can take care of you when the bottom falls out. Brother Scott, I say hallelujah right there. Hey, man, I know without a doubt, church, that God is taking care of me every single day. And some of y'all are sitting right here, and you're wondering why it is. All I know is that day God touched me, and everything changed. And Elijah's in a mess, and all of a sudden he's asleep. He ain't praying. He ain't soul winning. He ain't preaching. He ain't passing out tracts. He's went and quit. He asked God to kill him, and the Lord showed up, made him a birthday cake. Woo! and touched him, amen. Some of us need a touch tonight. I believe that's right, amen. It was a reminding touch. I believe God walked him all the way back and said, you remember back there when you stood before that king? I was with you then. I'm with you now. I believe he took him down there by the brook and said, remember them birds came? I was with you then. I'm with you now. I believe he took him by the barrel and said, you remember then? I was with you then. I'm with you now. Happen to God sometimes got to take us down memory lane just to remind us, hey, I was with you in the victory and I'm with you right now in the valley. I was with you, thank God, when you was on the mountain and I'm with you now that you're underneath a juniper tree and before I forget it, when he was at his lowest, he was next to a tree. Somebody say amen. Woo! I say glory. God will get our attention, amen. He gave him a reminding touch. 
Somebody in this place, I believe, needs that. He needs. He needs. He needed to be, and you need to be reminded that God hadn't forsaken you, that He's faithful. He hadn't forgot you. You ever been in that place? Sometimes you wonder, God, hey, hey, remember me? Maybe you ain't been there yet. Set it back here in the back of your mind. Can this later? You'll you'll need it. I'm just glad this. When God, when we dig ourselves into a hole, I'm glad the Holy Ghost can dig us out. I, Y'all, this ain't going to make much sense to y'all, but anybody in here that knows my stepdaddy can know he can go to a junkyard that everybody's walked in a hundred million times and see the corner of a block sticking uh, about two inches out of the mud and realize, hey, that's a Hemi motor. Let's pull back and pull that thing out and say, woo, and make some money on it. Hallelujah. I ain't seen nobody up, but you know what? It don't matter how much, and you may feel like your refuge. You may feel like your junk. You may feel like it. And some of us have ended up into the junk pile because we run low on the Holy Ghost oil, because we let our water get low of the Word of God, and we overheat and blow the head gasket. Somebody help me. And you, hey, man, y'all know I'm right. Take your spiritual dipstick and tumbleweeds fall out. You know you need some help, amen. And you cracked your block and you thought, well, there ain't no use to no good for nothing. I'm rusted, I'm nothing. Everybody's walked over me. But it's when the Holy Ghost pulls up with that log and chain of the Holy Ghost and wraps it around your heart and drags your hide out. Thank God he comes looking for us and touches us, reminding us that he still loves us. It's a reminding touch, a refreshing touch. Notice what he said. <clears throat> he touched him, sent that angel to touch him. But then he touched him and he looked and behold there was a cake. Not just a reminding touch. Thank God. It was a refreshing touch. And then he touched him again. I don't know. Somebody said there's two words for cake there. Maybe somebody can figure that out. All I know is, I'll take this. Maybe the first cake was cornbread. And the second one was birthday cake. All I know is God said, I'm going to make you some cake. I'm going to let you eat twice because you got a journey. I'm telling you, God will never send you where he don't provide for you. Amen. He'll give you the strength that you need to fulfill the purpose and plan that he's designed. Notice what he said, verse number five. And he lay and slept under a jumper, and behold, then came an angel and touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coal and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Whoop, whoop, hey. That's the second time he let him eat. Boy, I'm telling you, I don't know what it was. It might have been one of my strawberry cakes. That'll make anybody run. Amen. It was a reminding touch, a reflection refreshing touch. God gave him exactly what he needed, but it was a reassuring touch. No matter where he goes, no matter far how far down the rabbit hole of discouragement you go, hey, in the end, if you keep on reading the end of the chapter, it wouldn't by th- it wouldn't by th- it was a still small voice. Some of us in here tonight need 
God just to speak to us. Need God just to come by and touch us. I don't know what it is you need tonight, but I know who can do it. And when you're dealing with discouragement, your brother can't help you. Your spouse can't help you. Even the preacher can't help you. But thank God the Lord can help you. If he'll just touch you. If he'll just speak to you. If he'll just bring you some provision, some cake. God can strengthen you enough to keep going on down the road in the journey. See, there's a constant. Elijah may have feared that running from Jezebel forfeited the love of God, but it didn't. God's love never changes. It's kind of like the sun. Sometimes you can see the sun is bright and beautiful. Sometimes it's hid by the clouds. And sometimes it's moved to the point that darkness has come. But that don't change the sun. It's still shining on the other part of the world. Say amen. The sun always shines. If not, you'd have frozen death. And Jesus always shines in your life. You'd have died and quit on God. All we need to do is trust God, obey God. Let God minister to your heart. Let God speak to you. Let God feed you. Let God stir your heart. Let him remind you. Let him refresh you. Let him renew you. Let him revive you. He's got what you need to hear. He's got what you need to eat. And he's got what you need to feel. He just has come by tonight. Let me remind you, he's still reaching out to touch you. Let's all stand. Heads is bowed. Miss Bethany, amen. Them's going to come sing us an invitational.